This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your hosts, Radio Joe Hughes and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is episode 663 and we welcome Brian Lester and Roger Berry. We're going to talk about mold remediation, a new cleaning product they represent. But before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. They're the reason we can continue doing the show. And don't forget, after the show, to continue the discussion at afterthoughts.iaqradio.com, sponsored by First On Site. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site at firstonsite.com. Our association sponsors are the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH.org, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, CIRIScience.org, the Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA.org, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC.org, Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, AEMLINC.com, Particles Plus, ParticlesPlus.com, TSI Inc., TSI.com, Sunbelt Rentals, SunbeltRentals.com, April Air, April, AIRE.com, Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to report that Dan Fugler, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, was first to identify cocoon as the protective covering of silk or other fibrous substance spun by the larva of moths and other insects as a covering for the pupa. The IQ Radio trivia question for today, April 29, 2022, is sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in the precision instrumentation for monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Here's today's IQ Radio trivia question. In the year 1993, what was the Guinness Book of World Records holder for the most painted object in the world, and where was it located? Back to you, Joe. Another good one, Cliff. Okay, Brian Lester has been in the carpet and in the cleaning and restoration business since 1998, when he started as a carpet cleaner doing water extractions with a portable extraction machine. He's managed thousands of drying jobs, as well as countless mold remediation projects. He's currently the president of Indiana Mold Remediation and works with his brother and best friend providing remediation work to all of central Indiana. Roger Barry is a passionate and experienced CEO and investor in high potential technology companies with a focus on sustainability. Two decades plus of experience in private equity covering fundraising, team incubation, deal due diligence, sustainable technology development, and ultimately as CEO for a series of technology companies, has prepared Roger for his current role in building a transformative, sustainable chemical company named Sudoc. Joe, why don't you start? All right, let's start. Brian, let's start with you. What uh, You've been in the business for, well, 20-some, 25 years almost. 25 years, right. Yeah, that, that, tell us a little bit about your – I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are as far as how the business has changed over that 25 years. Um, well, you know, when we started uh, doing mold remediation, there, there was no mold remediation industry. I mean, people were – People were cleaning up mold because they ran into it on water damage jobs, but I don't know that there was a concerted effort or um, uh, focus on actually cleaning up mold. I don't know that most people considered it a health risk back then. So it was starting, but it was uh, it, w- it was in its infancy for sure. And it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty diverse now. So we've had people that have come into the industry from water damage, uh, from the uh, asbestos abatement, and other environmental cleanup businesses and now we've got uh, like waterproofing companies I think that are coming into the industry so we've got um, 
people from different uh, birth industries, I guess, that are joining the joining the fold. So, so it's a it's different <laughs> than it was. Well, how's business? Uh, we're busy. So we're we're a unique re- remediation business, and that the vast majority of work that we do uh, is is not insurance covered. So uh, I think last year I did one percent of my actual income was was insurance related. Everything else we did was direct to consumer, uh, largely uninsured or people that didn't have coverage uh, um, was was our business model. And I think my 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 job average last year was twenty seven hundred dollars, which I think is lower than a lot of uh, remediation contractors. But but we're busy. We, we, Indi- Central Indiana is a hot place to live. So the 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 uh, real estate business is uh, booming here, and there's a there's a lot of uh, mold that's found in a real estate transaction, and uh, we we do a lot of that work. I see. That's very unusual in my experience that only one percent of your projects are insurance. I, I used to do you know mold remediation training around the country, and I would always ask you know what percent of your business is insurance related, and you know anywhere from a hundred well. I had very few that were one percent. There were a couple that, you know. <laughs> so you're a, yeah. you're an unusual character, Cliff. Okay, well, I got one for uh, I got one for Roger. What's Sudoc's mission as a company? Yeah, so it's a very big mission, which is to outperform toxic chemicals in order to remove them from our planet. But that has a very specific application to what we're talking about today. So mold remediators, as Brian was just describing are typically using really strong chemical formulations uh, to do their job, no matter what their process is. And, uh, you know, we hear stories um, from the people who come to us about just the difficulty of of that job and and how hard it is. Um, These are folks who obviously want to do a very good job. They want to remove a a risk from, uh, from the home. But very often those solutions are, are just really toxic and, and, and really difficult to work with. And so what we're excited about is, is our chemistry allows us to do a lot of cleaning with a lot less chemical. And that means a, a better result for the homeowner, but for us, a, a, also a better result for the worker, a, a, a better job. Okay. You know, Roger, you, you come from a really varied background. You've, you've done, you know, uh, private equity, fundraising, team incubation, all, all these different, uh, and you've been around the world, uh, met with, you know, world leaders and so forth. I'm wondering what, what uh, drew your attention to this particular industry? You know, uh, you know, Cliff, I'll tell you, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Joe, I'll tell you a personal story, which is, uh, you know, two years ago, I, I had a pulmonary embolism and, uh, you know, 30% mortality rate could have died. And three months after that, these three characters uh, found me. Uh, one was a very prominent financial investor, uh, Hunter Lewis, great guy. He's an environmentalist on the board of the um, number of environmental associations. A guy named Pete Myers, who co-authored a book 25 years ago called Our Stolen Future, which started to talk about the relationship between how many chemicals we use and how it's impacting our hormone systems negatively. And then the third person was Dr. Terry Collins from Carnegie Mellon University, who had dedicated his life to developing a, a chemistry that would be sustainable and uh, in balance with nature, but very powerful. And they asked me to build a company uh, with their capital and, and this chemistry. And uh, it's just been a dream come true. Now, we have a platform technology, can do a lot of different things. But this crazy guy named Brian Lester had been using a previous version of this chemistry uh, to clean uh, to clean mold, uh, mold stains. And so it's kind of a funny, uh, you know, odd couple story. But Brian and I just started talking uh, as we started this mission. And, you know, he's one of my best friends now. And he he just hit it off. And, you know, to to meet Brian is to realize how infectious his uh, enthusiasm is. And I started to learn about this industry, uh, learn about its importance, the, the good jobs that many people are doing, but also to learn about its challenges and, and you know, how difficult it is for small companies to keep workers because the work is hard. Um, and if we can bring a product to the market, that's great. But even more so, if we can help make this work better for these, these fine Americans doing this cleaning work and help these small and medium and large businesses be more stable, that's actually our, our bigger mission. We we really um, we want to up you know help uplift the 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 
the fairness of uh, of this work and, and get people more rewards. I think our chemistry can can contribute to that. Interesting, Cliff. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, I guess you putzed around maybe with some other chlorine related products or other mold stain removing products and so on and so forth before. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Hmm. So we were looking for, or I was looking for a better way to remove staining. So I think it started with a crawl space job. This probably was back in 2000, a while ago. And uh, we were asked to palm, we, we were asked to sand the crawl space. This is before I bought my soda blaster. So we were asked to sand the crawl space and then paint it by the um, IEP. And the third day of palm sanding in the crawl space, (laughs) (laughs) so we vacuumed the thing. And the third day of palm sanding in the crawl space, I got pretty frustrated. And I started to think there's got to be an easier way to get rid of the staining down here um, because the homeowner's never going to be down here. And I'm not really sure why we need to make it that clean. So <clears throat> that's when it started. And then um, we, we played with all kinds of products. We did soda blasting. In fact, we, b- before we did soda blasting, we, we used corn cob. The first mm-hmm. blasting job I, I ever did, we used, we used corn cob, which has all kinds of problems that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> you know, this was a while ago. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, we, we just started playing around with different uh, concentrations of, of oxidizers. I was using chlorine, peroxide, uh, just about anything I get my hands on and, and doing my own research, trying to figure out how to make that work better. Well, I, I guess you might agree with a statement that it's easier to specify what needs to be done than actually physically doing what yeah. has been specified to be done. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of times if you t- took these third party IEPs and you just put them down there for an hour or so, just yeah. an hour of, of what we have to put up with as, as Roger had commented, they might not recommend uh, some of these things, which really are, are kind of impractical. So I yeah, think that's, that's kind of, that, that's great advice. I, I, I've done that. So at one, uh, many years ago, this again, it's 20, 20 years ago, but I said, why don't you guys meet me on site? So we had the, the homeowner, this was a real estate transaction. So we had the, the, the seller, the buyer, each one's real estate agent. We had this, they were represented by Eli Lilly, which was a, it's a big pharmaceutical sure. company. Here in town. In yeah. So we had one of their, one of their uh, biologists was there. And then we had a, a local uh, and or environmental professional and they, we all met and I said, why don't you guys come with me into the attic? So we had all these people in the attic. And I said, now you guys want me to sand that decking and there's nails sticking through it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like for one of you to try to sand that. And, uh, and, and you tell me, tell me what a fair price is and why we shouldn't just tear the decking off if that's really what you want done. So that was, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's some, it's a lot easier to say do X, Y, and Z than it is to, to do X, Y, and Z many times. Joe, you know, Brian, I've got a, a text question from the audience and they're, they're at, they're curious about, I guess, the fact that you're still getting real estate transaction projects. Um, yeah. their, their experience is more that, that, uh, on purchase people were quite, you know, they're, they're trying to avoid even talking about mold and then they're seeing purchases with no inspections, no contingencies. Has that affected you or is it because you're in that rural area, you're not having that issue? Oh, rural. Oh, you, you, you hurt my soul a little bit. Well, you're, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're not that I'm rural, but yeah. you're central it, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Indiana is the universal uh, uh, hillbilly location on every every movie ever ever made, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so in real estate transactions, the you end up with mold in areas that people don't visit, don't see. So it's uh, a large majority of them are attics and crawl spaces uh, where just, you know, who gets in their crawl space until they're ready to sell their home. And then, yeah, what do you know? Maybe we should have got down there once after, you know, over the last 20 years. So that's where the majority of it's at. Um, the, the housing market here in central Indiana is so hot right now that that has affected us somewhat. But because mold is now considered an environmental issue, um, it's generally one of the few things left to negotiate. 
So it's very difficult to negotiate um, uh, smaller, smaller uh, mechanical issues or smaller problems. But if you start talking about health issues, radon, mold, and asbestos, it's the last thing they've got to negotiate the price with. So um, it, it comes up extremely frequently, and it's generally something that the, uh, the buyer wants done. What's happened in the last couple months, uh, we've seen appraisers. So uh, the, the deal's gone through, and it's a purchase it as is, where they're, they're going to buy the home as it sets. That's what they've agreed to. But the lender has said, no, we won't lend the money until you fix the mold problem. Uh. So I just looked at one of those in Beach Grove, which is a small community south of here. Uh, the, the, the buyer wants the house. The seller wants to sell the house. And the lender has said, no, we, you, you can't buy it unless you pass th- this criteria. It's a, it's a FHA home, and they've actually uh, – they, they have certain requirements. So, sure. so Fannie Mae has requirements if they get involved that – if they know about a problem, they, they actually set up the, a requirement that you have to meet. Okay. Cliff? Yeah. Um, Brian, how would you respond to some naysayers that would say that spraying goes insufficient remediation and yeah. that pre and post remediation involving HEPA vacuuming both before and after uh, is necessary? Um, I, don't, I don't disagree with the need to HEPA vacuum if the goal is to remove the majority of dispersed spore particulate that has um, made it into your containment area or your room or your home, where, wherever you're remediating. Um, the, and we do that. So, so the, the vast majority of work that we do is in non-living spaces, attics and crawl spaces. When we're doing work on the interior of homes, uh, we, we do HEPA vacuum. And I do think that that's something that you need to do. We're, we're not promoting a, spray this and then fog that and then you're done this is just a a tool that we use when we're doing interior remediation work so we do demo we back you know we have a vacuum and then when we're cleaning the framing we we use dot we use dot cleaner as our as our primary cleaner we can wipe with it or we can spray the surface people do different things and then depending on what the requirements of the iep are or if i've wrote written the the scope of work which happens a lot because we we deal with a lot of uninsured people um uh we we might seal a surface we've, we've got a job we're doing next week where we're, we're see the, the iep wanted the wood sealed so we're sealing the surfaces with a antifungal sealant so, could i pitch in on that one as well sure absolutely. Please. yeah i think you know other people have made uh made such claims but um that we actually have not made a, a, a spray and go claim what we are really is a substitute for chemical products that can fit into a lot of different processes. And we really respect the fact that each remediator, each cleaning company has their process that they believe in, and they probably believe in it for, for a lot of good reasons. But I can give you an example of Tom Skrodsky, just west of me here in, in Springfield, Massachusetts, where what he found is it was able to simplify his process. Um, he sprayed, you know, dot cleaner on a, on a really difficult, you know, mold job at, at first. Other products weren't working on it. And he calls Brian. He says, what do I do now? Brian says, go get lunch. He says, what do you mean go get lunch? He says, well, you let the product do its work. You don't have to scrub right away. Get, get out of there. So Mr. Skrodsky, Tom, tells his guys, listen, don't touch it. I'm going away. I want to come back. I want to see what it looks like. So he comes back about an hour and a half later. And the white wall looks really clean and restored. So he chooses guys out because he thinks they you know, wiped it down and painted it. And this guy said, no, 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 the, the product just did its work. We just wiped down the excess spray. And so for him, it took a process that he had from five steps to essentially three steps and uh, saved uh, labor hours. And in this labor market, it's tough for a small business. And so what he's finding with using DOT is he's just getting more cleaning out of uh, fewer labor hours and he's, mu- he's much more efficient and it's just less, uh, less harmful. Jump in. I want to ask Cliff a question. Um, Cliff scheduled this, and I want to know what drew you. I mean, you you're the the godfather of cleaning and restoration here. You you know all of you manufactured products. What drew you to the dot product, and what what made you think, hey, there there's some potential here. Maybe uh, maybe this is a a way to go for some people in the future. I, I think one of the things that that drew me to it is. 
Uh, we always talk about how smart the audience is. And, you know, they generally get the trivia question 30 seconds or, or, uh, or, or something like that. And what happened is one of the uh, attendees from the summit, Mike Miles, uh, Joe, he somehow discovered it. And he, what he discovered wasn't Dot, I don't think. I think he discovered Sudoc as a company. And I went online and, uh, you know, did the research and found all about the, the company. You know, there are a whole lot of chemical companies. And, you know, I, I guess uh, I'm no longer a recovering chemical manufacturer. Right? I'm retired <laughs> from that. But, uh, you know, you know I, I think the thing that attracted me to it is the CMU uh, connection, uh, you know, Carnegie Mellon University, uh, the inventor, uh, and the other things that they do, you know, when you went on the website, you know, other things that Sudoc is involved with, like, you know, making opioid, uh, disposal, uh, easier by mineralizing it and, and so on and so forth. This is probably the least sophisticated thing, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, perhaps that the company, uh, is involved in and, uh, that's really what attracted me because all the science and the scientists and the people and, you know, the connection is there. So that's really, uh, you know, why I had kind of suggested that we do it because we certainly know that a lot of spray and go guys have, you know, kind of wanted to be on the show and we've been somewhat reluctant uh, in the past in order to have them, but that's the answer. Okay. And then I wonder if Roger or, Brian, I don't know who would be better suited to answer this. Talk to us a little bit about the the CMU connection and and how they have how this was developed. Sure, um, you know, Cliff. Let me first of all just say thank you. You know, it, we're a startup company. You know, we've got resources behind us, but for us, you know, we've really got a, a dream about how to use this chemistry. And every single person who sort of reaches in and takes an interest is uh is is wind in our sails and and so it's really uh you know we really appreciate it you know we were really lucky at the end of last year chemical and engineering news named us one of the top 10 startups to watch and of that list of 10 companies we were the least capitalized i think eight of the other companies had more than 100 million dollars of capital and so we're we're sort of a david and goliath story right now you know we're we're the little guy you know, trying to punch above our uh, punch above our weight. So right. you know, your interest is, is really useful. Um, Terry Collins, just a, a remarkable guy. You know, think of uh, Santa Claus if he came from New Zealand. Uh, big heart, <laughs> big personality. Uh, you know, funny New Zealand accent. Um, and you know, he is just absolutely you know driven by the mission to uh, to reduce our chemical content. Um, you know, listen, up to a year ago, the common wisdom was that we had about 140,000 chemicals in common usage. A study that came out about a year ago shows that we actually have 300,000 chemicals in common usage. A recent book that came out shows that male fertility has declined by 50% in the last 50 years and continues to go down. So these are serious impacts um, from exposure to chemicals and other factors, but chemicals being a major exposure that impact our lives. And so Terry has just looked for a better way. So following a process of biomimicry, which means that you study the way that nature is actually processing reactions, uh, he found an enzyme in our liver that basically supercharges hydrogen peroxide, which is naturally found in the human body, and found a way to actually even amplify that. And so what Tamil chemistry is, is a different platform of catalyst. So it, we say catalyst, but it behaves fundamentally different than other catalysts. And it's a platform chemistry that, as uh, you mentioned, Cliff, can be used in a lot of different things. We found that it is remarkable in breaking down the compounds that we find in opioids and other pharmaceuticals. So that's important to us as well. Um, but it, it just essentially supercharges oxidation reactions and that has a, a utility across many, many different applications. So let, let me pause there and, and just see where you want to take it. Well, I, I think, I, you know, what, what intrigued me when I started looking at it was that this little packet of, um, you know, product and, and mixed with water, which is going to cut down on, you know, the cost for transportation, storage, the, the, some of the uh, legal requirements for 
sending products around and, and so forth. John, can you put the, the video up so we can kind of give people an idea of what this looks like and how it works? Perfect. So dilute oxidation technology, it just comes in a little, you know, packet there. I'm not sure how many, uh, there's probably five or 10 little packets in there, but he takes the packet out and you, you put some of this dilute oxidation technology NT7 into, uh, into some water. And, uh, you know, you can, it's just amazing how quickly it's uh, ready to go. And, and it seems like it's uh, a lot less trouble than and some you know dealing with jugs of uh, liquid and containers and transportation here here we go he's mixing it up and scrub it on and then uh, or spray it on and then let it sit for a while like you said and you know you're going to get rid of a lot of your staining and um, some of the the cosmetic issues that people find when they go and uh, look at you know projects that have maybe had a mold remediation done or had an old water leak of some kind. We run into it all the time up here. So it yeah. looks like an interesting, uh, an interesting product. Can, can one of you guys add a little to what I maybe missed there? No, I uh, think I'll you throw, got it really well, but yeah, you, you, throw, you go around. Yeah. I'll just throw one thing in, which is the other advantage of this uh, dry formulation. Um, there is a carbon footprint advantage. This is one twentieth the amount of packaging. I think roughly one twentieth the weight. So it's it's much more efficient to ship than these large jugs of liquid. Maybe the most important thing is is shelf stability. You know, your typical chlorine products on the shelf are degrading in a matter of weeks, and uh, may even degrade half life uh, over six weeks. Um, this may be infinitely stable. Um, we don't know yet. We haven't been in business long enough, uh, but we guarantee this product for two years. And then a year from now, we probably think we'll guarantee it for five years. So you can keep this on your shelf in, in its dry formulation uh, for, for a long, long time. And that means better inventory management, which also helps these small businesses. Um, and you know, hurricane season comes up, you can stock this. If the hurricane misses you, it'll be good enough for the next season as well. Interesting. And uh, Roger, I'm sorry, Brian, did you want to add anything? No, I think you, you, you really got a lot of the benefits of the product. So it's, it's pretty easy to, to work with. My guys have been using it now for, oh, this, this uh, we've had out since the end of last year. And my guys have been using it consistently since then. And they have found it to be uh, easier to handle. It's safer than a lot of the, as far as uh, they're concerned, it's, it's, seems to be safer for them to work with we haven't had any chemical burns or you know uh, issues along those lines and we have had that kind of problem in the past with higher concentration products what, what kind of pp do you recommend for use with this product um i i we still use uh, when we're in an attic or crawl space i i know that there are guys out there that, that wear less than full face respirators and suits and gloves but that's that's what we wear. So yeah, it looked like it looked like you were wearing acid vapor respirator. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Organic. Well, that was my other main question. Cartridge. You do use an acid vapor uh, respirator cartridge? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. Uh, it, it seems as though you know. And is there another product you're working on? That I, I'm a little confused on the difference between the hydrogen peroxide, pro, the peroxide based product, and the uh, the other product. Sure. Yes. I mean, we're working on a whole series of uh, DOT products. So DOT is the brand that we have to cover all of our cleaning uh, product applications. And um, kind of funny how mistakes are, are can be the mother of invention, right? So we were trying to create a surface cleaning product. And we, you know, just given the need, we were trying to put fragrances into, into the product and failed time after time. We went through like 30 different fragrance, fragrances, hibiscus, lavender, whatever, you know, whatever you could throw at us, we put it in. And what we found is, is the catalyst, Tamil chemistry, just destroys odor, just basically nullifies any odor. So we thought, well, let's turn this around. Instead of trying to add a fragrance, let's go after the stinkiest things we can find. <laughs> so we started with, started with fish and, uh, you know, found that we could basically leave a fish on a counter, let it go rotten, clean that surface, and the odor was gone. So then we thought, what would be worse than fish? And, of course, my kid's athletic clothes is probably uh, probably the next uh, thing in <laughs> so, uh, so we threw it in some, uh, some laundry, 
compared it to, you know, sort of a national brand. And with the national brand, you know, these socks still came out. You know, you might fall over, Joe, if you if you smoke, smoke my son and daughter's uh, socks. But when we did it with the Tamil chemistry, odor was just it wasn't like a masked odor. It was just gone, totally gone. And so our uh, probably our next product in sort of same dot fashion, but a different color code is going to be an all surface cleaner slash odor remover. Uh, we're working on it. And um, this one is with hydrogen peroxide. Uh, what we found on the mold formulation is the, the demand for the cleaning is, is, is strong. So it requires that extra strength. And when we got to those higher amounts of, of Tamil in the formula, essentially it was working so fast that hydrogen with hydrogen peroxide that it wasn't feasible. We have some solutions for that. So we think we'll have a hydrogen peroxide done, you know, mold uh, stain cleaner uh, you know, in a year or six months from now. But with the surface cleaner, the demand isn't quite as high. And so we can use hydrogen peroxide on, on that one today. And, and uh, we're really excited to you know, be very close to launching the first hydrogen peroxide product. And you mentioned Tamil. What, what is Tamil? Is that, I'm not sure I understand what that is. Oh my goodness. So Tamil is the, is the acronym for, for our, our chemistry. Um, so it is a tetra uh, amide uh, macro. Uh, what was the last one, Brian? Uh, ligand. Sorry. Ligand. So there right. you go. Uh, you can look on our website. I haven't been asked that question for a few months, so you. you All right, <laughs> I but, just uh, yeah. Tam- Camel chemistry is, is the chemistry invented and patented by uh, by Dr. Terry Collins, our our hero at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, Joe, would you like me to explain how it's different from other catalysts? Yeah, can we do that after halftime? Though, let's let's stop. We want to thank our sponsors real quick here, Roger, and then. We'll, we'll, we'll do that, and then Cliff's got a question right after halftime. So we'll be back with our guests, uh, Roger Berry and Brian Lester, in uh, just about a minute and a half. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site, your trusted, full-service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Our association sponsors are AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, See More Deeply Through Science and Research, CIRI science.org the indoor air quality association iaqa.org the iicrc a non-profit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry iicrc.org industry sponsors are aeml laboratories free shipping great pricing same day results with no rush fee aemlinc.com particles plus Feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us. ParticlesPlus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations. TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals. Availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. April Air, healthy air, healthy home, April, A-I-R-E.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back for the second half. We've got Roger Berry, Brian Lester. Roger, you, you were going to go into a little more detail before halftime there. Let's do that now. Sure. Um, Just to talk about the chemistry. So as I mentioned, this really is a platform chemistry. It falls into the category of catalysts, but in many ways, it's it's fundamentally different than other catalysts. It has its own properties. So Fenton chemistry, of which uh, the form of chemistry that most catalysts uh, belong to, essentially operates um, differently in two ways. So first, a a catalyst, an iron-based Fenton catalyst, is, is essentially going to donate an electron um, to a hydrogen peroxide molecule such that it breaks it in half and creates a very reactive uh, radical you know, mo- molecule. So that, ca- that catalyst is actually 
altering the other molecule for that other molecule to do the job. And then it gets restored. And the other key thing to remember is a, a Fenton catalyst doesn't disappear. It stays, uh, once it's restored that electron, um, it stays in being. So Tamil chemistry is different in two ways. So first of all, instead of altering the other molecule for that other molecule to do the job, Tamil chemistry steals an oxygen uh, from an oxidant, whether it's hydrogen peroxide or, or hypochlorite, and delivers that oxygen um, atom to the site where a basically a microfire in, in water happens, which is what oxidation is. And then it goes to the next oxidant molecule and stills the next oxygen you know, atom and delivers it down. So it's acting like a shuttle. And the catalyst, our catalyst, Tamil chemistry, is when you throw it in water by itself, does nothing. So it's inert. But when you throw it in water with the oxygen, it's continually taking these oxygen atoms and shuttling them and doing the job it, itself. Now, the other thing that happens is there's two chemical pathways. One is the one I just described, which is the productive pathway, which is doing the oxidation. But the other is a, a self-destructive pathway. And so once it's active, it becomes vulnerable to other molecules, but also to itself. And after a period of hours, it essentially has self-emulated itself and is, is gone. And so our catalyst does not remain in the environment, but uh, basically disappears into its uh, building blocks. Um, so in that way, there, I don't, I'm not aware of any other chemistry that behaves that way. And that um, are some of the foundations of, of why this was a patentable uh, chemistry. Okay, Cliff, one other thing, and we can kind of finish the chemistry, uh, is uh, <laughs> what is mineralization and, uh, you know, when and where does that occur? And does that occur in the cleaning product or, or not? Yeah, what we're referring to there is, is, is a bit of a shorthand for when we were talking about how other products uh, that we're working on can break down um, uh, pharmaceutical compounds. Right. And essentially, uh, if we want to go you know, into this a little bit, the way that waste opioids are taken care of today, and, and, and Cliff and Joe, I'm sure you're aware of, of the scourge of what's happening in our in our towns, cities. Um, you know, personally, we've lost two you know teenage uh, you know friends of of families in, right. in Maine and New Hampshire, and it's just uh, it, you know it breaks your heart to see what uh, what these drugs can can do to to families, and so we have found that this chemistry, Tamil chemistry. Um, essentially attacks the building blocks of opioids and, and other uh, pharmaceuticals such that when you've uh, put them in solution, they're gone. They no longer exist in the world. They're broken down into the harmless building blocks of atoms uh, that they're built up on. Now, the way we uh, take care of waste opioids today is essentially they're, they're picked up at the site and they're bound uh, to activated carbon in some way. And then they're moved and they typically touch, you know, one, two, three, four, five sets of hands before they're sent to one of 14 incinerators around the country. And that gives one, two, three, four, five opportunities for them to be diverted from that destruction process and, uh, and recycled in, into the community. And activated binding, you know, binding to activated carbon, you know, it's okay, but they still exist in the world and a decent criminal chemist can, uh, can reverse that process. And so our hope is that we can bring a solution closer to the source of the waste opioid so it doesn't touch all of those hands and take all of that time to get it out of circulation. And uh, that's just another thing we're working on. And, and you, know, given, uh, you know, given what this means to American families, it's, uh, it's really important. Thanks, Brian. You're an inquisitive guy. And I'm wondering, <laughs> uh, after you've used this product on, on projects, have you done any testing or had any testing done, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, in terms of clearances and, uh, you know, have you been surprised by any of the findings? Well, I would be a terrible mold remediator if we were failing a bunch of tests before I started using DOT and then we started passing them after. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know that I've seen an improvement, um, but we haven't had any, any difficulty with, with clearance. So um, it's, it's just part of the process that we use for uh, clearance. Different, uh, the vast majority of non-insured jobs that we do are visual clearance jobs. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we, have, we do 
we uh, just like we do more uninsured jobs than the average mold remediation contractor, we probably do more visual clearance jobs than uh, uh, most other remediation contractors. So, you know, it looks clean, it smells clean. People who have had a problem can reenter the area without being impacted. You know, in the video that, that you had, you know, yeah. one of the things that you were spraying it on, I don't know, might have been drywall or might have been uh, plaster, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was a ceiling. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess, yeah, certainly we can see the mold on the outside, uh, you know, the, the, the piece that was facing into the house. Uh, any concern about the, op, you know, the opposing side? Well, that's an interesting job there. So that is actually a pool room. Uh, they, they, that's a brand new ceiling. That ceiling is three weeks old. Um, and they, they installed that ceiling and they had no, uh, air controls for the indoor pool. And, uh, they thought that, uh, that would be a, an adequate, uh, uh, solution to just run a regular air conditioner in there. So that's relatively new. So I'm not mm-hmm. too concerned about anything on the interior on that particular job. That's from condensate, uh, okay. exterior. Joe? Um, Brian, I'm wondering, you know, you, you, how do you approach projects? I mean, do you give them a, a like a suite of options? Okay, I can do the traditional HEPA vacuuming, wet wiping, um, you know, HEPA vacuuming again, the old HEPA sandwich, uh, or I can, you know, uh, use this product and we may or may or may not HEPA vacuum before and after, maybe just before to get the heavy stuff off. How, how do you approach that? So we approach every project almost the same way. We we identify what the problem is. We identify what the concerns are and what the goals are. And then we come up with a plan to achieve that goal. And then we stick a dollar amount to that. So we're very goal oriented, more, more so than process. We're goal oriented. Um, usually, if I can create enough vulnerability in the client, um, we work on budgets. So if, I've, for years, I've said, look, if you tell me you've got $50 to spend on this problem, I'll say this is what you can do, the best you can do with $50. So a lot of times we're, we're working with budgets where people will give me a budget to work within. And I think that's also unique. So we're, we're just very goal oriented. Many, many times we offer uh, uh, differing degrees of care. So I usually say, how careful do you want me to be? The more careful I am, the more expensive it will be. So the, the, the more careful we are about cross-contamination, the more uh, the cost will be. And when we're doing smaller things, so we've got a job we're doing on uh, Monday. Uh, it's a small closet. It's a uh, four square inches of mold growth, um, but they wanted the highest level of care I could do. So there's going to be a full containment. Everything gets wrapped in plastic. We've got a decontamination chamber. We've got two HEPA machines. Running. I mean, it's a, it's a serious job for four square inches, but they wanted the absolute max and they wanted to make sure that no mold got released. So we, we, we are doing that. So we, we do offer a degree of options for people based on budget. And what industry standards and guidelines do you typically follow? Um, we, we, we tend to do the follow EPA guidelines. So we just use the uh, mold remediation in schools and commercial buildings as kind of our grounding uh, document. Mm-hmm. It depends on the, the, the job. So um, we've, we've got another project we're doing next week and we're following IICRC guidelines because that's what the IEP wants. And I said, no problem. We're certified. We can certainly follow those guidelines to the letter. Um, and then I've done quite a few jobs in central Indiana for different universities, and they have their own on-site uh, folks that have their own criteria. So <laughs> we, we're very flexible. I, I, usually, I usually say I need to know who the arbiter of clean is, so who gets to decide what, what's clean enough, and then mm-hmm. that's the person that I want to make happy. Whether it's with a process or a goal, it doesn't matter. I just need to know who it is that gets to decide when it's clean enough and what does that mean? So you have to quantify that ahead of time. I get very nervous uh, when we've put a proposal together and then there's a third party that's introduced after the fact. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something that we will literally back away from and reevaluate and say, this is not the criteria that I I can't do a $5,000 job and do all of those things. It's just not going to happen. 
Brian said something really important, um, which is uh, about budgets and also that sometimes uh, people can't afford this. And uh, that doesn't mean that mold you know, goes away as a problem for someone just because they can't afford it. It means it stays as a problem and it causes all sorts of impacts on, on that family. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is we're creating what we call the DOT give back program. So key, key uh, remediating companies that want to really partner with us we're helping them uh, by using some of our branding for them to become DOT ambassadors. And part of the agreement to be a DOT ambassador is to participate in the DOT Give Back program. And what that means is each year we're going to do a number of projects. I don't know, four, 12, we'll, we'll figure that out, where we are going to donate free product and our DOT ambassadors are going to donate free services. And our goal is to help clean churches, synagogues, schools, low-income housing, uh, anywhere in the country and really to, you know, give back, uh, you know, to this country, because, you know, this is a, this is a serious issue. These are hardworking Americans that are, that are doing a good job. And if we can collaborate to bring some of those services back to those who can't afford it, uh, that, that would be a great goal. So that, that's the type of company we're building. Uh, Brian already does this, um, you, you know, in, in, in spades, in terms of his, his work, he's probably the most charitable guy I've, I've ever met. But, uh, you know, if we come back on your show next year, I, I hope we have 12 examples or more of uh, projects that we've done in the Doc Give Back program. Interesting. Cliff? I guess, you know, pound per pound, ounce for ounce, molecule for molecule. <laughs> uh, how does the DOT activator differ from TAED, tetracetylethylenediamine, which has been used uh, and been around for a long time and actually is considered safe? Uh, you know, by the EPA uh, Safer Choice Program. So could you comment on that? You know, I can't comment on the other molecule. I, I just okay. don't have the, the data okay. in front of me. But what I can tell you is that this packet right here um, uses about one-eighth to one-tenth the amount of hypochlorite found in other products and performs as well or, or better than those products we've tested against. Okay. What I can also uh, tease you with is that we think pretty soon, um, just given some things we've learned about the chemistry in practice, that that is going to go down to less than 1 20th the amount of chemical. I don't think there's any other uh, activator, as, as you call it, Cliff, uh, that, can, that, can re- that could have that effect. I can speak to the TAED. So that's that's used in peroxide, and that's generally used to convert some of the peroxide to paracetic acid. And and I the the TAM molecule is not acting in that way. So as Roger said, it's it's not it's not converting to make it a, a more effective thing. It's actually working in conjunction with that thing. It's stealing the oxygen and, and utilizing it in and of itself. So okay. it's just a different, different thing. Uh, follow a couple of follow-ups. What's the pH of the use solution? Brian, you want to take that or? So currently the pH that we've got shipping out is about a nine and a half. Okay. All right. So, so, that's, so, that's so I, I guess. Down I, just a so bit. it's shipping out or the used solution? Once it's once it's mixed, it forms a nine and a half pH solution. Okay, yeah. so you wouldn't be liberating hypochloric acid or anything like that from the chlorine by acidifying it. Uh, you're not adding uh, anything to lower the pH. Okay, this is mm-hmm. you're, raising, you're raising it. Yeah, this is like this that. is actually a, a high pH cleaning product. So we're, we're not using hydrochloric acid to do anything too much too much chlorine off gas can't do that <laughs> yeah but it's more powerful than the chlorine it, it is it, yeah. i agree <laughs> but no that's a, that's a different approach I, I i have tried that approach so yeah, if you're looking to sterilize it it works pretty well absolutely uh, joe joe well brian i'm wondering okay now that you're using dot are you also still using the other products that are commonly used i i assume you know you get specifications from iep saying you know use this uh, this product here, that product. Are you still able to? Are you still able to use other products as well? Uh, yeah, able. I can. I, I mean, it's my business, so I can use whatever I want. Uh, right, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, we use DOT unless we're told we can't. So if, uh, we, we've got a job we're doing next week, and they specifically requested that we use a 
uh, a peroxide-based product. We'll use a peroxide-based product because it's what they asked us to do. I've got a, there's, there's a local company for years that told us to use one part bleach to nine parts water and a small amount of liquid detergent like pine saw right. or, or, or a dish soap. The pine saw and bleach do not mix well together. No, no. <laughs> but you'd be That's surprised. what they wanted. So yeah, you'd be surprised how popular Dawn is for some of these protocols, actually. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, that's good branding. Right, well, you know, you got to give Dawn credit. They, they but it's but it, but Dawn is not a chemical. Dawn is not a chemical. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go to the roundup, John. The Roundup is brought to you by April Air, providing healthy humidity, ventilation, and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at aprilaire.com. All right, Cliff, do you want to start it off or you want me to? I, well, I have two questions, so you can, you can either go first or second. I got right. one for each of them. So I guess for Brian, uh, my question for you is, have you converted any naysayer IEPs into recommending DOT? Mm, I'm working on one right now. So we have, <laughs> we have less interaction with IEPs, I think, than the average mold contractor does. So I certainly speak to them about each one. Uh, the, the, the guys I'm talking about converting are the, the bleach water pine saw folks. So they, they're already using a chlorine-based product. Roger, my question for you, uh, anything in the future, or are you thinking of going after some antimicrobial claims with EPA, you know, product registrations, that sort of stuff, uh, any absolutely. consideration there? Yeah, absolutely. We want to use this chemistry as, uh, you know, far and wide as, uh, as we can. Um, it, it can be used in a formulation that can be, uh, that could have disinfecting claims. Um, you know, right now the EPA is very understaffed. It's, uh, you know, you've got good scientists uh, there, but they are very, very overwhelmed. The, the decision times are, are quite slow. Uh, so, you, you know, it's not so much from our point of view, but as, as much from the government efficiency point of view. But, uh, you know, we will, we will have a, a variety of cleaning products. We will have a variety of water treatment products. We will have a variety of, of products in the opioid and waste pharmaceutical space and all of that. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do over the next five to 10 years. I sure do. How are you? Uh, it seems like right now, uh, Roger, that you're you're kind of um, working through individual remediation contractors. You know, sort of like Brian and maybe others. Um, what are the plans for the future? Are you going to be going to trade shows? Are you going to be advertising with uh, some of the you know industry media? What, what kind of game plan do you have for the future? Yeah, absolutely. So we were at a trade show. What was it, Brian? Three three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And, down, yep, in, and down in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah, experience? In, yeah, the Experience Conference down in Cincinnati. Um, you know, what a great place. I mean, it's great to, to sort of, you know, pitch our product, but it's also just great learning. Uh, you know, one small remediation, ah, not small, probably medium-sized remediation company, you know, came up to us and, you know, you know, basically picked up one of these packets and said, you know, what the hell is this? You know, how, does, how does that work for mold? Uh, you know, what do I do? Throw the packet at the wall and it's going to do something? So, you know, we started talking to the technicians and, uh, you know, asked them a very basic question, which is, you know, what do you use now? And they said, uh, you know, we use X. I'm not going to name the product. And uh, I said, well, how do you like X? And they say, we hate it. You know, it, it, you know, I go in there, I come home, my eyes are sore. I, I'm like, don't you wear PPE? And they said, of course we wear a P, you know, PPE, but you know, you're stretching, you're reaching it. You know, this, it, it's just not, you, you got to understand what the job is like. And, and so I love hearing those stories because it makes me understand more about what these young guys and in this case, a young woman as well, we're, we're going through. And so then they brought over the, the, the top tech and we went through the same conversation. Then 10 minutes later, they brought over their, the president of the, the company and uh, went through the same conversation. Then it went quiet for a couple of weeks, but they uh, got an email last week, said, we tried the product 
and the technicians have recommended that we switch uh, to your product and, and we want to go. And so it's, you know, Joe, it's one by one, right? It's relationships, it's learning, it's understanding what the work is like, it's, it's responding and, you know, keep, keep working on the formula, keep working on, you know, the inventory, how, you know, how we can help these, uh, these companies. And uh, yeah, so it, it's one by one. We started off in mold because we got Brian. Brian is just, he's so dig, dug into all of this work and he's given us an expertise. He is our product specialist in, in, in addition to being the, the head of his old uh, mold remediation company. And, um, you know, we, we want to grow this business to be a, a very big business because that would mean it would have a big impact. Meanwhile, we're developing other teams to work on other solutions um, but you know, for us, this is uh, this is eighty percent of our company's focus is is this mold remediation cleaning services uh, industry, and and that's going to continue. And and Brian, I, I you know, I, if I asked and I forgot, please forgive me. But the, are you still doing water damage projects as well, water damage restoration, or are you just focused on mold remediation now? Um, no, we're not doing any water. We just do mold. I, I did okay. do my my friend had a sump pump failure in his basement, so. I, I did help set that up, but other- I'm curious why, you know, you, you've done water damage restoration. It seems like a pretty good industry right now. The The companies are being bought and sold like crazy. Um, why did you focus on mold and not more on water damage? Uh, the number one reason I didn't want to work Saturday and Sunday and nights and weekends and holidays. And I was done. <laughs> that's a good reason. You know, I've, 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 I've got six kids. I've got six kids and I can, I, I I can name two or three years where I missed every birthday, every holiday and worked, you know, six, if not seven days a week for, you know, 50 of the weeks of the year. It was just, you know, nervous breakdown time. I, I needed, I knew mold, despite what some of our clients think is not an emergency. <laughs> it okay. took a while to get there. Uh, give me a couple of weeks. We'll get you taken care of. But uh, we, we just, we just wanted to be done with the emergency game. So Joe, it's don't kinda... distract my man, Brian. We need him. We need him. <laughs> <a shot. laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, you know, what's he going to do? Sell the mold company and go, you know, go full time with thought. Uh, but then I was thinking also, you know, mold companies aren't exactly um, the best thing to sell at this point, but if a water damage company, certainly they're, they're, they're going like hotcakes right now, but uh, just kind of curious. Now, before we go, we always ask the last question. Cliff, did you have any more you wanted to? I'm good. Okay. Before we go, final thoughts, anything we missed, anything you'd like to add? Let's start with Brian and then finish with Roger. No, I really appreciate the opportunity just to talk to you guys. You've been absolutely fantastic. We really think this is a unique product. It's unique. It's been a, uh, a, a major improvement for my, my own people. So I've had access to this technology longer than just about anybody else. And we've been using it for a lot of years. And the, the, the NT7, which is the newest version of this technology, really was a game changer for us. So, In what way? Um, well, we were using about a 4% solution. Um, so I, forgot, I was using an older version of this technology for uh, over a decade. And it, it, it worked well. It definitely improved performance. But with the new with the new NT7 molecule, which is just tweaked a little bit, they keep tweaking it a little bit. Um, so the, the the new NT7 molecule was I, we're down. We we were able to get similar performance at one percent. And and as Roger said, we're actually looking to cut that down even more. So it's just been a major change for my employees. I don't have to worry about them. Uh, running into problems so it's easier for them to work with and and by the way my, my uh roger my wife Dottie loves your company name and she wants a t-shirt so <laughs> <laughs> we, we can send some along joe no she also no said you guys should be on shark tank uh final thoughts roger <laughs> you know listen i i, I want to thank you guys for for bringing these issues to uh to the country um you know the people we work with is, is the best part of the job and you don't just come out of the box and start a company and, and have a product that uh, that's a home run. Um, and we've, we've had some mistakes, right? And what's been really cool, we started off with a tablet formulation. And this thing would dissolve like butter in the lab, but would not dissolve like butter in the, uh, in the field. And you got guys like Chuck Sardellis running a company in Michigan 
who, instead of saying, you know, throwing these things away and saying, you know, get out of my hair, you know, calls you up and spends an hour and talks about, you know, how it could be done differently. And you work, you know, through these issues um, with guys like Chuck and Tom and, and Brian, and you keep iterating and you keep working, you get it back and, and, you, and you start getting believers. And, um, you know, so building a good company is, is, is really about listening and really about having patience and, and not being afraid to, to make some mistakes and keep, uh, you know, keep, keep correcting, keep correcting. And thanks to, to all of those early adopters for, you know, helping us get to where we are today, which is a pretty darn good product and, and where we're going to be tomorrow, which is a pretty darn even better product. So um, <laughs> keep working with us. If, if, if you're in this industry and, and, and want to be part of this, uh, this mission and the story, you know, call us and, and reach out to us. We, uh, you know, any, any point of interest just is uh, wind in our sails and, and we just appreciate it. Very good. What's the website so people know? Yeah, dotcleaner.com. So www.dotcleaner.com. You'll see uh, Brian's pretty face splashed all over it. And uh, and hopefully there's some good information there for you. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Uh, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, Brian Lester, Roger Berry, uh, Dot Cleaner. Interesting. I know my wife loves that name. But anyway, uh, we'll be, I also want to thank John. You got to have faith at the controls. My co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. We'll be back next week, by the way. Next week, we got Dr. Joe Spurgeon coming back. Dr. Joe, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of this, you know, Ermy and Hurts Me and Dr. Joe's books and, uh, again, on mold assessment issues. And uh, looking forward to a great show on next week's IAQ Radio. So come back next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. 